This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. 7.35 on the Blitz 1170. Recording Scott File here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We're reminding you it's time for one of our weekly benchmarks. Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoma, and he is our OU insider. And Ryan, we've been talking a lot about this game against Iowa State, a team that just beat Oklahoma State, and a team that has played Oklahoma tight in Norman. They've only won two of the last seven, but the last three meetings in Norman, only one point separates them in those three meetings. What is it about Iowa State and Norman, you think? Well, I think it's just that Iowa State's been a really solid team over the last uh, you know, few meetings uh, with, with the Sooners down in Norman. Their defense has, has been one that has given uh, the Sooners fits, especially uh, back during the Lincoln-Riley era, that um, umbrella defense that they used. They've changed it up a little bit now, but uh, it, it still can uh, come up and, and bite you, and they've uh, been able to do that a couple of times. So uh, you know, we'll see if, if Saturday is, is any different, but uh, you know, certainly there's a lot of indications that this is going to be uh, – a fairly tight, tight one uh, in Norman on Saturday. You know, I, I get a lot of feeling of momentum from Oklahoma. You know, and last year didn't go like everybody wanted. We know that. But there were pieces in place that were good. Dylan Gabriel's been as good as last year, maybe even a little better because he's got a little better supporting cast around him. Certainly defensively, they picked it up. I just feel a sense of momentum. You feeling that? Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. When you talk to uh, the players, you talk to the coaches. Certainly, there's a, a lot of uh, a, a lot of that momentum that pushed forward to be better and, and taking that step from uh, now what looks to be a, pr- a pretty good team to, to making that next leap to being a really good team to a great team. And, and they've certainly got some steps to go to to get there. Still have to prove themselves, but you see. In the defense, especially the difference, and and not just what they're able to do on the field, but the depth that they they bring. I wrote about that today. They you know they used 29 players on Saturday at Iowa State, and it was a matter of at the end, Brent Venables and Ted Roof sort of looked around and said, "Hey, there's some guys that we felt like could have got in the game, should have got in the game, deserved to get in the game that didn't." Whereas last year. Uh, especially in a situation where they're missing a couple of defensive starters, it, they're looking around thinking, who in the world can we put in there and mm-hmm. not you know, just have everything fall apart? So it, it's a much different feeling uh, for this team this year, but they also realize that their biggest tests uh, lie ahead. You know, looking back on it now, and you're certainly closer to it than most of us being there at practice and around the news conferences and all, did you feel last year, even though it didn't always go like you wanted, and defensively especially, that there was still the right message and that, that this would work itself all out? And this kind of almost feels expected rather than – I mean, I, I'm not surprised by it. I thought Britton Venables would do a good job. But it kind of feels like this is almost expected in me rather than, oh, well, I'm a little surprised they're playing that well. Yeah, I, I think uh, certainly that that was the feeling last year as they were going through all this. And I think the biggest reason is because uh, of the, the consistent messaging and the, the consistent – and not not to us necessarily and us, you know, in the media and, and the, the uh, you know, outside world, but internally. You know, I, I talked to a lot of people just before this season and, and in the preseason about – Brent Venables and the way that he handled the adversity of last year. And the biggest thing that 
everybody said up and down the board from assistants to uh, players to uh, folks in the administration is that Brent Venables was consistent and consistent through good, consistent through bad. And I think that's really helped them navigate what they've gone through over the last year and helped them come out on the right side of it because it would have been easy to panic and try to change things up and, and, and throw on some quick fix, fix patches to uh, help things out. They didn't do that. They've stayed the course. And, uh, you know, there's, again, there's a long way for them to go, but so far, it's worked out uh, pretty well for Brent Venables and the Sooners. 739 on the Blitz 1170, a Thursday drive to work. Ryan Neighbor, our OU insider from the Daily Oklahoman with us. You're welcome to ask a question at 918-262-5072. Scott? One of the kind of talking points coming into this game on Saturday has been the running back rotation. Uh, do you think we'll see any more clarity on this on Saturday against the Cyclones? And will we kind of see somebody kind of step up and take the reins as – you know, the number one back? You know, I keep waiting for that to happen, and I still think it's going to happen eventually. And, you know, now that OU is a week away from the Texas game, I think you're going to start seeing some some differences. But, you know, I would have thought that last week, and we saw again the, that two-on, two-off rotation there with Marcus Major and Tawi Walker being one pair and Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk being the other. In my mind, Still, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk are the most talented running backs that they have and the most dangerous. But the other two still have uh, still have a place and have still certainly earned playing time with what they've uh, been able to do. And and Barnes and Sawchuk really have to be able to prove it. I think with Sawchuk, it's as much about being healthy and, and getting those consistent reps as anything else. But uh, I've still got to think Javante Barnes is ultimately the guy who emerges as the the go-to back. You know, Marcus Major can do some really good things, and there's no question he's immensely talented. That's never been in doubt for him. Uh, But he's had some issues staying on the field at times and, uh, you know, hasn't, hasn't been the case this year. Uh, so I think he's certainly going to still have a role. But in my mind, Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck are their, their guys, and uh, eventually those guys are going to separate. But I've been saying that for three weeks now, and it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, who who knows what to believe at this point. However, that receiving core, especially Nick, man, you talk about bursting onto the scene, top five right now in pro football focus in almost every category. I expected or did you think that guy was going to kind of explode like he has you know coming into last year i i really liked him and and you see the the frame uh, the the 6-4 size you you know about uh the, the the family lineage with rodney anderson obviously but also their other brother who played down at old miss and so you knew that the tools were there but we didn't see it last year, and in big part because he was was injured and not quite a hundred percent a lot of that time. So, not incredibly surprising that he's being productive this year. But certainly the level of it that we've seen in the last couple of weeks with four touchdown catches, three against also one last week, a couple of other really critical catches uh, a week ago against Cincinnati, and I think his role is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. 
And, uh, you know, I'm actually working on a story on him uh, for tomorrow's Oklahoman about, uh, you know, who he is and, and how he uh, got to this point and became the player he is. And uh, really a fascinating guy. And uh, good to see him uh, finally get on the field and, and have some contributions after what was a really rough freshman year for him. Yeah, number eight overall right now. And, but, and number 22 overall right now in overall rankings at receivers, Andrell Anthony. Uh, again, guys playing really well. He's given Dylan, Those two guys have given Dylan Gabriel really good targets. Yeah, and, and the biggest thing with Andrell Anthony is the, the deep threat that he's he's presented. And hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns, but he's setting up a lot of touchdowns with those deep throws. And that's really something that they were missing last year. Yes, Marvin Mims was fantastic, but, uh, you know, outside of a, a couple of instances, wasn't the consistent deep play threat that Andrew Anthony has turned into. That's not saying that Andrew Anthony is a player that Marvin Mims is, because Mims is clearly a fantastic player. Heck, as we saw with the, the uh, kick return on Sunday for him, uh, for the Broncos. But uh, Andrew Anthony is a guy who's emerged as their clear number one receiver and continues to impress. And, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, you got to be kicking yourself that uh, you weren't able to keep this guy around given the production that he's had so far. Not that they're in a bad position themselves, but certainly Andrew Anthony has uh, surpassed, I think, anybody's expectations for him uh, to this point, he was figured that he'd be a, a solid rotation guy, but in my mind right now, he's a very clear number one receiver for them. You mentioned Texas, obviously that huge showdown next weekend that's looming on the horizon. Uh, you know, a lot of national folks are already talking about it. So what's the message from Brent Venables and the coaching staff this week to be focused on a really good Iowa state team that you can't afford to, to overlook? Yeah, I think it, it goes back to what I talked about with consistency and the, and the message consistently every week is not only go one and oh each week and, and, and uh, take it game by game, you know, using that old cliche, but it's go one and oh every day and take every day as it comes and don't look too far ahead. We talked to Jonah Laulu a couple of days ago talked about the, what they call the windshield mentality that, you know, never look in the rearview mirror and, uh, you know, don't look too far ahead when you're looking out the front. So uh, that's a message that's been delivered from the top down. And I think because of their experiences last year with what happened, I think that's made it much easier for those things to resonate with uh, these, these players, especially the ones who are around for, uh, the the uh, problems uh, last year and, and certainly they're saying the right things you know it's sometimes easier said than done not to turn your focus at least a little bit toward Texas but uh, at, at least the preliminary indications are that uh, they're handling it pretty well. Any good matchups or, or poor matchups in this game you're looking at and thinking it's a problem? Oh, I, I think, you know, you always look, I think, again, at the defensive front versus the offensive line. We talked about that last week against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, Iowa State has a, a solid defense. But, uh, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to some of the receiver DB matchups in this one. Iowa State's got some really good safeties, especially, uh, that can come up and make plays and run support, but also – uh, drop back in coverage, and I think that's just, that's going to be key for the Sooners to win 
a fair amount of those matchups with not only Andrew Anthony, Nick Anderson, guys we talked about, but Jaleel Farouk and Drake Stoops uh, too, and be able to have those guys make some plays, break some things out. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really uh, also looking forward to seeing how Dylan Gabriel reacts. Last week wasn't his best game, but obviously the numbers were still really, really solid. But, uh, you know, we've started to see a little bit different running version of Dylan Gabriel, and he's had some some tough tough runs like the touchdown run last week, but a couple of others, and I, I think that's going to continue to be a piece of their offense, and that's going to be key to, to find places to uh, use that without uh, subjecting him to uh, you know uh, to, to injury or, or big hits or things like that. A couple more minutes here with uh, Ryan Aber, ROU Insider. I want to first of all ask about the uh, atmosphere at Cincinnati. It's something we talked about a lot last week going into that game. Been there for many important games there. I know how that is. How electric was it in the stadium? Very. They were uh, they were fired up to be a part of the Big 12 and to have a team like OU there and uh, have that experience, you know, big noon kickoff, things like that. Got to walk around the tailgating area. It's a great, great area that they have just outside of the stadium uh, there. Nippert Stadium really holds the noise in well. And having the uh, the students in that uh, that one end zone, got a chance to talk to a couple of OU players who were uh, down there, offensive linemen who talked about the, the difficulty that they had uh, maneuvering offensively uh, in that noise and, and crowd. And I think that's, that's one that uh, I think a lot of big 12 fans are going to really enjoy uh, their, their trips to Cincinnati, oh, yeah. not only for uh, the, the game and the atmosphere around the stadium, but also that city uh, adds a little bit different element to uh, the conference for sure. Did you ask Jonah about trying to chug the chili out of the can after the game? <laughs> Yeah, he did not like that very much uh, <laughs> at all. And uh, Desan McCullough, who actually was born in Cincinnati, uh, didn't like it out of the can at all, but says he really loved Skyline Chili as a whole. So he encouraged Jonah Laulu to give it another shot. Just don't drink it out of a can. Yeah. You know, get it on, uh, get it on a plate of spaghetti or a, a cheese coney. <laughs> And it'll be a whole lot better. Yeah, a, a congealed can of chili out of a can <laughs> is not really going to be your best post-game meal. There's no doubt about that. All right, you mentioned you were writing about Nick Anderson for the uh, for the Oklahoma. And what else? Yeah, that's uh, that's the biggest thing. Also, looking into uh, some of the looking ahead to some of the move to the SEC. Wrote about it a touch today with some of the season ticket holders being affected by uh, some changes in the policy from the SEC versus the Big 12. OU has to uh, allot uh, 5,000 tickets for opposing teams versus 2,500, and, and they have to move their student section a little bit. There's some uh, season ticket holders that are fired up about it, uh -huh. but uh, that's the reality of uh, the move and what's going to happen. So uh, talking to some of them and, uh, you know, airing some of those concerns a little bit and, and trying to present both sides of things. But uh, those are the big things uh, this week. And also, uh, you know, revealing a little bit uh, in my four downs thing that I write to every Friday ahead of the game, previewing the game, reveal a little bit about Troy Everett and uh, his interesting personality. He, he likes uh, a wide variety of music and a very specific type of coffee uh, that, uh, 
that uh, he has to have every day, but not before games. Uh, so uh, just letting people have a little bit of insight into who uh, who Troy Everett is after he transferred from Appalachian State in the offseason. There you go. That's what you can look forward to in the Daily Oklahoman from our OU insider, Ryan Aber. Ryan, have a good time this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Y'all have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.